0: All right, well welcome back to OTXNT. I am Andrew Marquez and I am joined by
1: Dr. Ben Payne. Good to Dr. see Payne. you.
0: Dr. Doctor. And today we're going to be talking about a fun <laughs> uh, topic, uh, confession. What is the role of confession, uh, you know, for us as Baptists, what is the role of that in the, the Christian life and then in the corporate uh, life of the church? And <laughs> I should not have done those push-ups before this thing. I'm, I'm winded now.
1: Um. You hear this, people? Here he is he's talking about how how physically fit he is. He wants everybody to know he does push-ups. Not only does he have a strong brain, but he's got a very strong body that can do push-ups. He could take you on, anybody. Right now, if you're watching this, push-up for push-up against Andrew. That, that, is, that is not true. <laughs> anyway, yes,
0: I've done my annual push-ups uh <laughs> the presidential fitness test you
1: remember those things man, oh, those were man. Awesome.
0: what happened to america you know
1: i got a couple certificates man signed by bill clinton those are i used to believe that was really his signature but it's it was not it was just a copy but i still i still kept them because hey. i was excited the president cared about my ability because i couldn't do a full pull-up but my ability to hold on for you know however many seconds i needed to
0: Hey, uh, he, he signed yours. I, I'm, I'm certain that you've got one of the originals. It's, it's you. Good. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, confession. Maybe we, we should. Uh,
1: <laughs> this is good, it. man. Roll with yeah. it.
0: So, uh, again, you know, I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, are we confessing sin? Do we need to confess our sin? Is it kind of like, uh, do you need to tell your wife you love her if you've done it once? Isn't that good enough? Uh, do you need to confess to God? If you got saved, aren't your sins forgiven for now and forever? And so what role does confession play? And uh, so let's go ahead and open with the Lord's Prayer. And then we'll jump
1: into this.
0: (sighs) Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. All, All right. right. Okay, so obviously we're not going to talk about um, right now. I mean, this is not a church history time. to just talk about, I guess, the the main differences between, I mean, unless you want to, in terms of con- confession that you would find between, like, Catholics. I think we're starting right now, right, with the idea of, like, is confession even needed in any sense both you're saying personal and corporate um for the church right is that kind of what you're we're leading towards
0: yeah i think that, that that's just a good trajectory and we can roll down that road as far as we get with our time and you know there's a few tangents that we can take along the way but um yeah that's 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 where i'd like to go you got any okay
1: other? So obviously, I mean, so here's the deal. So when you say confession, right, so obviously for, for non-Catholics, right, we don't, when we hear confession, for the most part, I think the first thing we think about is getting in the box, talking to the priest. Um, we don't have that. That's not something that, and, and, and that's not necessarily, I mean, we believe in the priesthood of the believer, right, so that I, I, I can confess my sins to the Lord. Um, and we're told in scriptures, if you confess that he's faithful to forgive those, right? So um, so, but let beyond that, how, what are you thinking in terms as we talk about confession, the need for confession, the question of confession?
0: Yeah, so I guess, you know, part of the, the question where this roots, by the way, I, I thought we could also just spend the next, you know, 20 minutes letting you confess your sins um, corporately. We'll start, you know, and. <laughs> But uh,
1: <laughs> that might catch on, man, if we did a live stream of everybody just confess their sins.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a, a challenge. There's the water bucket challenge and the actual confession of sins challenge.
1: That's right. Um, so, yeah,
0: yeah the, uh, the idea is uh, for, for Baptists, we hold to eternal security of the believer. And because of that, when you are saved, we believe you're once saved, always saved, and you're not going to lose that salvation if you could lose it, you never had it to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's kind of the, the general Southern Baptist stance. Um, I, I kind of have to think through some of those issues. There's some passages of scripture that that might indicate another view, but overall we think that the harmony of scripture says eternal security is where uh, where it ultimately ends up. And so because of that, you know, I remember seeing a book by John Piper called Future Grace. And I actually never read that book, but Uh, The title was interesting to me because what happens uh, when you sin after salvation and what is the role of confession for post-conversion sin? Do you need to do that at all if you're saved? Uh, And if it's not truly necessary for forgiveness, uh, what
1: is the value of it? Yeah. So... um, That's a great question because, I mean, there is a lot of people that you, it's the same way I think people that pray too, like, they think, well, why do I pray because God already knows everything I have to say. And then there's another people say, well, why do I need to ask for forgiveness because I've already been forgiven for everything already. Right. So I think that that is absolutely a great question, even just on the most basic level of why or should I be in the habit of confessing my sins?
0: And from a very, just baseline standpoint, it's because the Bible tells you to. So, um, you, you know, I've, I've got first uh, John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this is not written to nonbelievers. This is written to the church at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And John is saying, hey, when we sin, what we need to do is confess that. And we see that confession of sins is a reoccurring thing for believers. And so one of the things, whether you understand the ramifications of of what it accomplishes, it is a Christian practice. We should be confessing our sins. And, you know, generally my view is because it's going to help restore the relationship uh, with God, because when I'm walking in rebellion, even as a child of God now, uh, I'm not growing closer to him. And part of the way I restore that relationship is through confession. So there, there is a true value in personal confession if it's not forgiveness of sins. But, you know, there is that question, maybe once saved, always saved is wrong. And if you die with unconfessed sins, uh, you go to hell. You know, and that is uh, a question that has uh, floated in other denominations. We, we don't hold to that, but that is... No. Uh, You read certain passages and you read uh, the the Lord's Prayer, we said, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I'll confess my sins to God and ask for forgiveness. Yet if I hold something against my brother is the implicit prayer for uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, actually stating that if I'm not forgiving others, uh, I don't have forgiveness. And so you can see how certain denominations have kind of said because of these verses There can be a loss of salvation uh, as a result of unconfessed sin or uh, consequential punishments for sin that's unconfessed in the next life. And that would, of course, be the grounds for purgatory. Uh, So, you know, if, if not hell, you know, but so we don't hold to those things, you know, so it does kind of beg the question then,
1: what's the whole point? Yeah, what does sin actually, so unconfessed sin, what does that actually do, right? Because the if 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 we're like we believe, right, which is the, the work of Christ has covered everything, um, so my standing with the Lord, my salvation doesn't change. Um so what does it mean though that like if I am in a spot, if I've uh backslidden, if I've fallen um into sin and I haven't gone and I haven't confessed that yet, um what what does that mean for my walk with the Lord? Obviously, my walk is not destroyed. Obviously, I'm I'm not a Christian. It's not that I'm not a Christian anymore, um, but there's there's another aspect to it. It's something that I th- I guess we, you know, you need to kind of drill in to think a little bit more of what unconfessed sin does to the walk of a Christian.
0: Yeah, and and again, we, we ought to have some answers for this because the question will come up, you know, if you are a free will Baptist, you believe you can lose your salvation and go to hell, right? Uh, and so unconfessed sin would be a, uh, I've heard I've heard sin uh, unconfessed be described as a uh, gaping wound in your spirit and you're bleeding out and you need to confess uh, to God or if your tradition has a priest, you need to get to that confession moment so that you can have that wound stopped up so you don't bleed out and lose your salvation and go to hell. Um, that, that's not our role here, but what does it do? You know, I, I would kind of say is, it is detrimental to our sanctification. And so depending on your view of uh, salvation, I think everybody holds that sanctification is synergistic. It is a partnership between the believer and God through his Holy Spirit, refining us into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I am no longer being refined as I should if I'm walking with unconfessed sin. Uh, And unconfessed sin, I think implicitly saying unrepentant sin, uh, because why aren't you confessing it? You know, it doesn't take long, (laughs) you know, so either you don't have remorse or you've hardened yourself against a sin or you're wallowing in self-pity because you fell into sin. And so you're refusing to confess it, Uh, turn your back towards it, turn back to Christ and proceed with sanctification uh, being molded into the image of Christ.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you're. I think that's where we need to go with this, right? Is to under, talk about the way that that relationship. Um, I, I would say there's things that we know that God God will do when a child of His does not want to confess, right? So I think that's a big part of of uh, of this discussion. So uh, my my mind, uh, as I was we were talking just a second, um, went to. Um, you know, when you uh, over to First Peter, uh, as he's talking uh, in chapter three, uh, he says this to the to the husbands, right? He says, "Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with the weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so your prayers will not be hindered." Right? And so there is an understanding that my relationship that I have playing out. If I'm not going to be the kind of husband that God's calling me to be, um, that then that's going to directly affect God's listening to me. Now, of course, I think that's a big play off of uh, something like in the book of Malachi, uh, where God is saying, like, I'm done listening to you right now uh, until you decide that you're going to get things right. Um, and so, I, so I, I think there is a place where it's, you know, you can say um, that uh, my unconfessed sin directly kind of affects uh, my conversation with God, uh, that if essentially you're just saying, I don't want to, I'm not going to give that up to you, I'm not ready to, well, then I think we also need to be prepared that God is going to say, well, fine, if, you know, that there's a time, like, if you don't stop becoming his child, uh, but I think that you, you have definitely kind of, You've said, okay, fine. You want this? I'm going to give you what you want right now. You don't want to talk? I'm not going to talk. You know, I'm not going to listen, that kind of a thing. Uh, so I think there's a part for that for sure. What else do you think comes to mind with that?
0: Well, I think uh, a step back to sin is a step back towards the old nature. And we know that if we are permitted to go our own way, apart from God and walk in our sinful nature, we, we progress into greater uh, degrees and depravity of sin. And so it's also a very dangerous road to walk. And it, it's as a, a father who's allowing um, their child enough rope really to, to get themselves into into severe trouble. And hopefully the parent will step in at some point and put a stop to it. But if you, uh, your hope as a parent is that you, when you know that you've, you've got a kid who's lying to you, right, uh, what you want is them to confess that lie, have remorse for it and, and learn from it but it's always disturbing when you've got a child who is going to test to see, well, do you really know? And and they're playing the denial game. And uh, that is really detrimental to the relationship. And so, yeah, you're, you're not close with your child when you know that they're caught in a lie and they're trying to lie their way through it. Uh, And until they are ready, you know, uh, to repent and, you know, uh, confess, uh, there are punishments, right? So you, you can fall into God chastises his own, right? So he's going to allow you to experience punishment. So as, as a father, you know, that's twofold. One, I can make your life uncomfortable uh, through punishment. Or two, I can deny you some privileges that you used to have access to. And so uh, as, as a heavenly father, he might allow us to experience the consequence of our sin in this life. And that would be more of a punishment. But he could also deny some of the blessings that we enjoy as children of God, and and that closeness we feel with God, and that sense of uh, really being in His will, that wonderful sense, uh, being removed from us. And so it it is a way of Him driving us back towards confession repentance.
1: I think that's totally within God's character, too. I mean, that's the whole way that He dealt with Israel. Uh, If you see in Israel, I mean, the whole point is, He said, I'm going to do this so that you don't forget, uh, and the idea is that you will call out to me. He says it like, especially in Deuteronomy, over and over and over, that like when these things have happened to you, and you come to your senses, um, that you would, you know, that you would call on me. And so um, those are, um, I think that there's some of that, um, there's some of that stuff where you see that's how God has worked. Like, okay, fine, you want it, I'm going to let things happen to you so that you will finally come to your senses. So, like Deuteronomy 30, he says. When all these things happen to you, the blessings and the curse I've set before, and you come to your senses while you are in all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you and your children return to the Lord with your, uh, your God, and obey with all your heart and all your soul by doing everything I'm commanding you, then he will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, gather you again from all the peoples, uh, and even if your exiles are at the farthest horizon, he'll gather you and bring you back from there, um, And so, I mean, that's the idea, right, is that he wants you to come back to him. He will allow things to take place to to turn you and to put your focus back on him. Um, I think um, all of that stuff, as we say, is the discipline of the Lord. I think that's what's at mind in Hebrews chapter 12, too, right? Uh, Yeah, I, I think the illustration you put out there of the father with the child is exactly, it's such a strong one. And I think that's why the, the Bible uses that. I think that's why Hebrew uses talk about like why we discipline children. That We need to keep that in mind, right? Is that I don't stop. My kid doesn't stop being my child right. when he has, you know, when he has, I know I just watched him do that. And he will look at me in the eyes and deny or even lie. Um, I might do things to, um, to finally get them to that point to where they're going to finally confess. So there'll be things that we'll take away until they're willing to, you know, to finally understand it. You don't lie to me. Uh, Come and I would much, and I tell them like, I would much rather prefer you to be upfront and open with me than to just try to skirt it and pretend you didn't and, and live like, you know, you didn't do any wrong, right? Just be open about it. So I think there's that image that's there. In Hebrews twelve, that's that's so key as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that this is just it makes sense. Again, we don't have to come up with uh, afterlife punishments and uh, all these other levels of uh, God dealing with that sin because God has paid for the price of sin once and for all. We're told, and so He doesn't need uh, subsequent confession, subsequent conversion in order to bring us back into his family. Now, once, once we're in his family, we receive the Holy Spirit, it says we're sealed. So we, we are his, but he is going to mold us into that image of Christ, which means he's going to help us. Uh, another issue that I think is important is, uh, I think it's John 8, when he talks about uh, Jesus says that if you fall into a sin, you become a slave to that sin. And, you know, this is a really tough passage if you've ever dealt with uh, repetitive sin or, a sin that that leads to some kind of addiction, Uh, you you know how difficult it is to climb out of that and you need the help of God. Even AA admits a higher power is the only way you're going to get out of this. And God will allow us to fall in to those patterns of sin, which breed consequences. But confession is one of the ways that we ask the son to make us free. You know, if the son has set you free, you're free indeed. And so uh, there's a healing that takes place, I think, in the spirit that allows us to gain strength over that sin again and uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we live in unconfessed sin, it makes it all the more easy to fall into that sin over and over and over and maybe go further down that path. Uh, so it, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, and if it's not dangerous for eternity, it's dangerous for this life uh, because nobody wants to,
1: no, no believer wants to go down that road. I, I will say this. If you can live your life as a Christian, unconcerned about your sin, if your sin does not burden you, I do think there's a problem there. Like, um, and and I, do, I, do, I think what you're then trusting in is something that's not a biblical faith. I think if you're content, and I've, you know, and I've met, and we've read stuff, especially in seminary, stuff by guys who would go so far as to just say all of, it's, all of it's okay, it doesn't matter, it's all been forgiven. Um, you know, you've read some of this, this crazy stuff of this extreme of overly, um, overly uh, the grace, some sort of the overly em- overemphasis upon grace to the point that everything I do doesn't matter. Um, I, I think if you're in that area where you don't feel remorse for sin, If there is no burden, I've got to get this off my chest to give it up to the Lord. Um, I would say that's probably a good, uh, good indication. You need to get something right with God to be something much bigger, maybe than just I've sinned. Like I, I think the Holy Spirit, one of His roles is we're told is to convict of sin, and so if you're a child of His, He's going to pull you back and make you see your sin so that you'll snap out of it. But if you can go for a long time with no conviction, I think there's something wrong.
0: And that's where we would say, perhaps you're never saved. You know, if if you don't truly uh, hold to the faith, uh, maybe you never received the Holy Spirit as a down payment, you know. Uh, And and it's just uh, something to be uh, aware of. Now, true believers can go down that road, I believe. uh, And, uh, you know, this is where we might shift it into that public versus private idea. Um, But I I would say before before jumping into that, uh, the other thing, well, this moves into the public sphere, okay, not necessarily corporate worship, but your witness will also be uh, impacted by your unconfessed sin. And so rather than only focus on your personal relationship with God and growing closer to him, becoming like Christ and being molded into that person that God wants you to be, your ability to demonstrate the love of Christ, show uh, Christ to the world is going to be Uh, absolutely uh, handicapped uh, because of unconfessed sin. And one, you might be embarrassed to share because people might look at you and uh, expect you to have a standard, but two, you just kind of lose interest. You know, Uh, how can you be a fanatical, excited, zealous witness for Jesus when you're personally living in rebellion to him? And, and so it, it really is detrimental, especially if you have loved ones that you've ever prayed for to become Christians. Uh, unconfessed sin might cause a barrier for them to look to Christ, at least in you.
1: So here's what I would say. Now, whether, whether that's going to be a present effect in your witness or not is, is yet to be determined, because I think there might be times where, yeah, obviously you're going to see the effects of sin, your unconfessed sin all around you, um, and, you know, we're talking about sin, we're talking about people, sin, Christians who are in sin, and the, the idea of confession, they're very similar, because we're talking about one of, it's in my life, all of us have it in our life, but the difference is, do I, what do I do with it? Do I just live with it and pretend it doesn't matter, or do I try to give that up to the Lord? Um, I do think there are people who have been successful in their lives with hidden, dark sin, and they've seen, well, my ministry's still okay, I'm all right. And I think what you need to keep in mind, though, is once that comes out, because it will come out, whether in your life or in your death, um, that's when stuff begins to get destroyed after that. And and whatever you thought you had built um, is that's where you begin to see the, the people who are going to be affected, what you leave behind when now they know all this stuff comes out. And so recognize just because it's not found out now, uh, or it doesn't seem to be that it's God is hindering that it it can still have a big effect even when you're gone of unconfessed sin. Um, so I, I think that's that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, I, I was going to say this because I want to go to the James passage with you of talking yeah. about corporate sin, uh, confession, but I also want to say like I, I I do think that that there is a place in the Christian life that God's discipline. Um, may even take a physical toll on your body for unconfessed sin. And I think, personally, when we go to James, um, I think that that's what's going on in James chapter 5. So I don't know what your opinion is. i love a dialogue with you on on James 5. When we, to that passage, you're talking about confessing our sins to one another. You want to go there?
0: Yeah, let's go there. So uh, James 5, verse uh, 13 through. Yeah, start it up. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Hey, we did one on the name. (laughs) And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. okay but that's 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 the passage
1: yeah so i mean i take i take a big part of that is my opinion is when i've read that we're looking at someone who is sick in the church who um who god has allowed them to experience whatever in their own lives in their own body for sin and it's going to be through prayer through finally confessing those things that uh, that God is going to relieve them of of that, like He's allowed them to feel the consequences of their unconfessed sin, and so He's He's you know He's disciplined them by disciplining their body. Do you take that another way?
0: Uh, I think it can it can be that way. I think it can also be that spiritual wound idea that uh, that there's a damaging uh, that's taking place to my spirit in sin. And so there, there's a healing that is both physical and spiritual that is being sought after. And so I'm asking God for deliverance uh, from spiritual captivity to sin, uh, but also I do absolutely believe it can manifest itself in physical. My only concern there is that I think that when this is done properly, healing takes place at some level. And so I don't want someone to say, well, I did all that and I didn't you know, get over this physical detriment that...
1: That's what you're saying
0: that I, that I had, uh, God may allow you, you know, let's, let's uh, say it's a, um, an STD that was going to kill you, you know, and you go to the church and you pray and they anoint you and you still have, uh, a, a disease that's going to take you to your, your grave, but healing took place, you know, in, in some sense. I, so I don't believe this ever fails is all I'm saying, but absolutely. This can be something that has caused, uh, physical, uh, sickness, that well, can result in healing.
1: Well, I think, I mean, my mind immediately goes to something like First Corinthians 11. At some point, maybe we can deal with it too. Like talking about when he says, uh, whoever drinks without recognize the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are sick and ill among you and why many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a part of that, like it seems to be these are people who they're messing around um, and they're not they're not giving that up to the, to the Lord. And as a result, now I think it tells you about the seriousness of the Lord's Supper more than it does anything else. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's an element of, OK, fine. There's sometimes God will say, here you go. Um, and, and you'll experience that, but I think you're right. I think there's a, even, even just the weight that comes off of you to finally confess, to finally be, to know that you have been forgiven, the mental piece that that does for you uh, is a huge thing, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, we're, why this is a kind of a corporate uh, confession, right, is that we're, we're moving beyond um, I, I feel like I'm forgiven. I, I, because I've given it up to the Lord, but to have the body affirm that, no, you brought that to God. You've confessed these things and we're affirming that he has forgiven you of those things. You're, you should be, that burden has been ripped off of you. I think there's a, there's a psychological element to that. That's so tied to our spiritual as well that, yeah, like, um, you know, that your, your mindset becomes different simply because uh, you, you've been able to drop that burden.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, what we sometimes think in terms of psychology is actual spirituality. And, y- you know, the world uses terminology, but we know uh, what, what that can do. Uh, stress can do just to your physical body. And if the Holy Spirit is actively working to stress you out over your sin, um, you're, it's going to manifest itself. You know, maybe you don't sleep. You know, maybe uh, uh, all of a sudden you, you it, it's a snowball, right? It just gets bigger and bigger because you are struggling with something and the Lord's not giving you rest until uh, you take care of it. Uh, the other thing I think is interesting here is that your sins will be forgiven. And this is something I think we have to uh, wrestle with because we're saying, well, it's already forgiven ultimately, but uh, will be forgiven is... Uh, two ways. I think one is you will experience that afresh, uh, or there's something else going on here, and I think that, that this is important, that when we sin as members of God's church, as members of the body of Christ, we're not just sinning individually, me and Jesus. We're sinning against the body, and so there is also a forgiveness that needs to take place from the body, and this is something that's not very evangelical because we tend to be very individualistic in our uh, discussion of salvation and soteriology and all that. But the reality is that there is a sin against the body. There's a sin against the the people of God. And I think that this might be a manifestation of you not only recognizing God has forgiven you, but we have forgiven you and we're praying for you and we're all, you know, um, we're healed as a a body of Christ locally. What, What do you think about that?
1: You know, I think that, uh, that's an interesting element because I do see that on the other side, right? Which is, um, and I think this might have a lot to do with, with church discipline in the sense of there's, there are times with unconfessed sin in the body leads to Matthew 18, bring it before the church, right? To where it's gotta be public now. Uh, and it's gotta, be, it's gotta be something that is seen um and and so everybody understands like this is what takes place when when you refuse to be uh when you refuse to be uh repentant over your sin when you refuse to to see to to deal with that right i think that's one of the things that you see like paul talk about that like you know that um when he you know he uses the stronger words but i think it's the same thing when he says he's um he's handed over uh, such and such to to Satan, right? Um, for the idea is that you know that there's going to be some sort of lesson that's going to be taught. Um, that when you've been publicly like you're done with us, you're not you're not you're not going to get this right. It goes out to the church body and they understand like this is not a place you want to be. Um, this is not the the this is not what's right for the Christian for the body. And then um, the, the flip side of that would be if you're coming back to see that restoration, for that to be, uh, for the church to understand that that forgiveness has taken place, that that restoration has taken place. So I, I do kind of see that those work side by side together.
0: Yeah, and I, I've got that passage, by the way, because I, I had it as a, as a follow-up point to this, because uh, when you um, assemble together in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus. Hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That uh, I, I, relating to this, David is correct. Against thee and only thee have I sinned. Right, it is me and God. But when when that's taken care of, yeah, I, I'm going to be saved. And this man appears to be saved. You know, but the church discipline piece is important because. Uh, they are trying to help this guy truly remain faithful to God and part of the punishment for unconfessed sin and bold sin here is church discipline remove him from the church and we know from second corinthians that he actually does repent and is restored but it's that whole idea of okay i'm gonna i'm gonna remove from you the the benefits of being part of the church body and I was at a conference, at ETS, I listened to a paper on this and a question was asked, do you see surrendering him to the realm of Satan as a recognition of protections that we have in the church, that this is a spiritual warfare thing, that when you are in good standing with the church and we're praying for you, that you are protected and we are casting you out of that protection and letting you... Just enjoy the realm of Satan and see how that goes. And it's a really kind of terrifying idea. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I, the more I thought about it, the more I think that's correct. And so he's still going to be saved. This guy's spirit is going to be saved, but the punishments need to come because the unconfessed sin is detrimental to the church witness, to the church body, and and he'll need to have a public confession of that sin in order to be restored.
1: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely take that line when Paul says that. He said, deliver them over to Satan. You see that 1 Timothy 1.20. He says, so they'd be taught not to blaspheme. I do think that that is what unrepentant, unconfessed sin, um, that, that essentially when it gets to that level of you refuse to, because I think the Holy Spirit works on you. Like I think level one is like, Holy Spirit works on me. I should just give that up. Level two is, I think God's going to use His body to call you back, right? So if you're if you're not listening, He's going to bring others to say, "Brother, come back. Brother, come back." And still at the end of all of that, you still remain unconvicted and and not confessing. Uh, Then I think there's that final one, which is fine. We are now we are now calling on the Lord to strip all of that protection away from you, and as He says, so He'd be taught not to blaspheme. So it would taught whatever it is that you need to be taught. So the goal is, though, that you come back and say, I want no part of being outside of the church. I want no part of being. It should scare the believer to the point to where he's coming back. And then that confession takes place, uh, and, and there's healing that comes with that. And I, so I think there's a huge part for that.
0: Well, I'm kind of looking at the time, uh, and I'm, I'd love to get into the idea of, of whether this public corporate confession should be part of our worship services uh, especially when you see how it's laid out in James. It, it's clear yeah. in my mind they're doing worship here. Uh, but I, I think maybe we should reserve that for another another video. I
1: don't know. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think th- right now is just the nuts and bolts, man. I think the next one we should do is based on on how much should that be in. Because, yeah. uh, you know, here's the other thing. Okay, do the Catholics have it right? Do, do, who, who do I do it to? Right. Do I need to find a deacon? Do I need to find a pastor? You know, we're not priests so anything like that. Or is it for anybody? You and I bring up, one of the things we said that kind of started this was the issue of like an accountability buddy, right? So is that who it is? And so those are the things I think we need to really kind of examine next of how does that take place outside of, you know, personal confession going forward?
0: Well, I think we've got, we've gotten into it. I I think it's been good. You want to close this out for today and we can have more coming and let's do it. We've got a lot of directions that, that we'll be headed in the future. So Too
1: many things going on, man. We're just cranking them out as we can one by one. All right, here we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. All right. Thanks for hanging, man. Been fun. Right. I'll see you later on. We'll do it again next week.
0: And if you are listening to us, subscribe, you know? Support
1: us. Push the thumbs up. Push the button. Up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Share it with yeah. your friends. All right. Have a good one. All winter, right. Man. Take care, man. Bye.